PCOS is nothing but a hormonal imbalance, right? Um, Now, why do these imbalances happen? They happen because as women, we kind of don't live, you know, aligned to our own cycle. We pretty much follow the men's cycle because we don't know this, right? Nobody has taught us that, you know, that our cycle is different. If you were a femtech product, what would be your tagline? Oh, wow. Uh, Okay, I'd say unapologetically feminine. That would be my tagline. Quite honestly, I think it's not about urban and rural, but I think it's more about the mindset. Welcome to Femtech India Podcast. I'm your host, Navneet. Joining us today, Rashmi Pucha, the visionary founder of Inari. Rashmi is an Indian gender activist, is on mission to empower women's health care. She's dedicated to increasing awareness about the profound connection between the menstrual cycle and women's overall health, shedding light on the menopausal journey and offering support to women navigating their pre-menopausal and post-menopausal phases. Join me welcoming Rashmi. Hi, Rashmi. How are you doing today? Hi, Namneet. Doing very well. Thank you. And thank you for having me here. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to have you. How would you describe yourself best? A problem solver. If I had to just <laughs> say, say it in two words, I'd say I'm a problem solver. I'm one of those people who doesn't like to talk about a problem unless I can do something about it. So, yeah. Can you also tell us a bit more about Anari and how your day looks like at work every day? Yeah. So, Anari stands for I, the woman. Uh, we have two parts to Anari. There is a foundation and there is this private limited company. Now, through the foundation, uh, we work on a lot of awareness for, um, you know, women's health. And on the company side, we have products which help, uh, you know, women take care of some of the issues that they have. Um, in terms of uh, how how my day is at Ainari, I would, uh, uh, you know, I'd use an acronym of LIFE because Ainari is life to me. And uh, L stands for learning. So I'm a very early riser. I wake up between 4.30 and 5 on almost all days, including the weekends. And my morning couple of hours are usually spent in learning. Now, that could be research, that could be just reading, that could be I mean, it could be meditating for that matter, right? But uh, most of it is uh, spent learning um, and it's mostly women focused. The I stands, the I and F stands for ideating and future ideas. I'm also very passionate about this. And uh, so that's something that is always playing at the back of the mind. But in a structured way, I do spend um, an hour or so every evening once I come back from work. And, uh, you know, the E bit or the execution and operational stuff. Um, now, I'm a little, unor- uh, you know, unorthodox uh, here because um, unlike most people or most founders who spend 10 hours, 15 hours at work, I'm there only for five to six hours. And um, in those five to six hours, of course, I don't even take a lunch break, coffee break, nothing. Yeah. But those five to six hours are packed with operational staff, working with the team, you know, making sure ideas are getting executed. So it's focused on execution. So all my thinking time, planning time, learning time is outside of the office. So yeah, that's how my typical work day looks at Dinari. I think I'm definitely going to take a note from you that making four <laughs> or five hours more productive rather than spending 10 to 15 hours every day, right? Yes. But uh, but okay, I'll also say this um, because I think it's also come from 20 years of being an yeah. entrepreneur and uh, you know, of of a lifetime of uh, work, which, you know, th- it kind of helps you to be a lot more organized and maybe efficient. Yeah. Um, and five to six hours is a work that I do with the team, right? But there are hours before and after the office hours, which, which I spend doing stuff. So just don't want to get the message mixed. And, uh, you know, in case <laughs> there's someone young listening, it's not just five to six hours, it's a lot more. 
but uh, in the office yes five to six hours no absolutely what's your take on like when we talk about menstruation and menopause right this seem to be mm-hmm. like two broad health related issue women go throughout their life so i'm sure there more for us to discuss yeah so namit um, quite honestly um, it's interesting because menstruation which starts at puberty and menopause which is towards the end of a woman's life right like last life stage so these are the start and finish if you think about it but at the core of a woman's health is nothing but hormones right and um, the women's so unlike men who have a 24 hours hormone cycle women have um have a hormone cycle which is connected to their menstrual cycle to so the world average is 28 days now plus minus 7 is normal so 21 days to 35 days is what is the you know the the menstrual cycle uh, for for women so not only are we different from from men we are also different from other women and to add to that complication we are different at different stages of our own lives so mm-hmm. when you start you know at puberty your menstrual cycle is all over right so you you could have a longer one you could have a shorter one um you know some some girls bleed a lot some girls you know bleed a little less in the reproductive ages again you know it changes and then the perimenopausal um, age it fluctuates uh, you know crazily right and of course in menopause it stops but at the core of it is the hormone cycle and i think a woman's health is essentially connected to that hormone cycle yeah. how well do we balance this hormone cycle is the key um, you know is a key component of a woman's health and this is not just physical health it's emotional health it's your it's your you know um, it's it's your mental health it's everything so so yeah i think uh, i think more than menopause or uh, you know the conversation being about menopause or menstruation i think um i think it needs to be about hormones and the hormone cycle so you know talking about hormones that pcos seem to be quite a big problem in india right so you being a women's health coach how do you think that um we can get awareness in adolescent for pcos problems oh yeah that's a very good question and uh, i think it kind of continues with what i was saying earlier so pcos is nothing but a hormonal imbalance right yeah um now why do these imbalances happen they happen because as women we we kind of don't live you know aligned to our own cycle yeah. we pretty much follow the men's cycle because we don't know this right nobody has taught us that you know that our cycles is cycle is different and i'll give you a small example um so for instance you know there are days when we wake up full feeling fully energetic and then there are days in the month where we feel that you know i don't want to do anything today why does that happen now in men what happens is that every morning they'll wake up and feel the same for yeah. women these cycles happen almost weekly or you know so so for instance right after uh, you know menstruation uh, right you know in uh, up to the middle of the month so that one week 10 days is where a woman is going to feel more energetic because her estrogen levels start rising up so every month you'll have that window right but mm-hmm. it's not predictable unless you really know what's going on inside or unless you're tracking your cycle you don't know that you are in that window and therefore you know you are like wow you know i feel good i wish i could feel feel like this all day long or all month long right but what happens is in the week before let's say the period um the estrogen levels have plunged and progesterone is rising right now now in this week our energy levels are much lower because that's how we were designed right estrogen mm-hmm. is down and this is more about self you know uh, reflection this period is for all of that now unless a woman really understands this you know she's constantly wondering what's going on and we don't know how to regulate it whether it's you know hunger whether it's you know sleep all of that fluctuates with this right um so i think 
the more awareness one has about this the more they'll be able to regulate their um, uh, you know their hormone cycles now you were asking how in adolescence can this be made aware so yeah. quite honestly i think conversations at the school level uh, you know when we talk about uh, education i think one part of the education should also be about making girls and boys for that matter understand what this hormone cycle is about and how can you take care of yourself that needs to become like second nature to us honestly i think Absolutely. when that happens automatically these issues of PCOS and you know other related hormonal issues will be gone no i totally agree on that like imagine getting this education in school when you're growing up how to manage your hormones and sex ed it's amazing yeah, right absolutely it's just really sad that it's not there honestly and you also run program on women's health issues in not just in urban but rural areas too right so how do you see the divide between the demographics um navneet quite honestly i think it's not about urban and rural but i think yeah. it's more about the mindset because a woman could be uh, poor she could be sitting in a rural uh, area she could be in a tier you know three city uh, but still have the mindset to be open to menstruation yeah uh, versus a woman who may have all the you know access in the world exposure in the world um be in a tier one city like bombay and uh, still not have that mindset to be open to having conversations about menstruation and menopause and and you know the entire cycle right yeah. so i think uh, more than urban and rural i think it's really about mindset in fact um, uh, you know my housemate for example a very sweet girl and and she and i have had conversations and uh, i think she's a lot more um, open to understanding and learning than some of my close friends are yeah so it's it's really a mindset thing But do you also feel that if women in tier three cities do they feel embarrassed when they talk about such issues? Again, you know, I would um, I would say, in fact, even on uh, even if you look at our own sales for products, I mean, and and that that is also one way of looking at it, right? Uh, surprisingly, tier two and tier three cities, um, you know, are very open to trying things uh, and saying that I'll take care of myself. Um, and you know use some of these products right and uh, uh, the workshops that so i conduct a lot of workshops as you probably know right yeah. uh, when it comes to menstrual cycle and menopause and we've done global workshops not just uh, india um and we and, and some of these audiences have included women from tier 2 to tier 3 cities as well you'll be surprised i mean you know i like you you know when i started i thought that what i'm doing would be more uh, relevant to women who are in tier 1 more relevant to women who are more educated or exposed but um, i'm very happy and very uh, it's it's very heartening actually to to you know to realize and to know that um that women world over one have this have same problems same problem, and to, i mean that's not a good part but the good part is that uh, i think women are the same everywhere you know i think we have the same concerns it's just how you articulate it may change from uh, from where you you know depending on our exposure levels yeah. but um, even from the smaller towns and cities um, especially the younger generation right they're so much more open they're so much more vocal and in some ways i feel that they want to learn so much more you know they they come with this they don't come with this whole assumption that you know hey i'm in a big city and i know so much yeah. they they are the ones who want to you know the the ones in the smaller cities are the ones who want to actually learn more and and they want to grow and they want to get out of these cities sometimes and they have that fire in the bellies so i think it's easier to honestly connect with them in some time you know sometimes because they're just so much more open to um to to listen to you and to and to to learn so so my experience um, i mean tier one cities have been e- of course very easy because you know 
I can yeah. relate to that uh, audience. But um, it's a lot more joyful to work with uh, women in tier two and tier three cities. Yeah, I also feel that they don't have many resources, right? Like tier yeah. one cities, women has so many resources to go to one place to another. But where else tier two, three cities that there are very less resources. If if someone likes you, go and talk about it. They feel more yeah. relatable, right? Yeah, they 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 just. it's just so much more joy to talk to them honestly and i think maybe maybe because of the respect that they give you and uh, i think they're also more open to sharing right um uh, maybe because communities are in some ways closer yeah. i may be a little biased i don't know but um, at least this has been my experience i think when you speak to a girl or a woman there um she immediately connects you with the or you know she speaks about you to her network and i think the network effect is just so much more uh, powerful in smaller towns and cities yeah and you also work with schools on sex education programs how are schools trying to put guidelines and training in place for sexual abuse and can you tell us some more facts and figures about sexual abuse and percentage awareness programs and what are the legal aspects involved in it yeah so um so navneet quite honestly i don't work in the sexual uh, abuse areas my focus is on sex education yes but it's more focused on the menstrual cycle mm-hmm. now um and here uh, that divide that you we were talking about is visible in the urban areas it's easier to speak to schools and convince them and uh, you know conduct workshops on sex education so the the sex education wo- workshops that i conduct are typically about uh, you know puberty uh, making boys and girls understand what the hormone cycle is exactly what we were talking about a little yeah. earlier right that they need to understand this cycle in fact it's not so what what i try and also do is include kids from all genders right because it's i've tried to make it a lot more inclusive because menstruation is not just about you know it's not just about one gender right of so course. i try and include that being that aspect and i think this conversation is easier to have in um, uh, you know with children or schools uh, in the urban areas and especially the ib the igcse schools uh, you know the more evolved uh, and exposed kids i think it's easier to speak to them in, even to their parents for that matter and especially you know gender diversity as you know is a hot topic now right and uh, i think there are a lot of conversations which are happening in people's homes about sexuality and all of that stuff so there when we talk about these things i think it's it's been relevant in terms of um, you know schools being open and uh, stuff i think sadly enough schools are not really willing to spend a lot of money on these initiatives and um, and when they do it's pretty much one workshop to us you know and a check box um yeah. i don't think there's a very structured program uh, for rural sex education in schools um you know my own daughter is 16 and obviously she has also gone through uh, you know few of these programs in her school and uh, typically it's a workshop um, even for sexual you know sexual yeah. abuse uh, and awareness around that it's typically a workshop and it's not a dedicated uh, part of the curriculum honestly so yeah it's sad but But why do you think changing. that also like when you conducting this um, menstrual health and sexual health uh, workshops in school and what is the response from parents and you know school on these conversations i think the taboo is very much there still even in a classroom full of let's say 30 kids and and their parents uh, first of all you know the conversation to have with fathers um, a lot of even the most educated women they're like okay why is it needed yeah. um, and i understand that you know see it's it's a cultural thing i think right it's it's about okay is this really necessary you know do do fathers need to be involved in it um of course in urban areas what's also happening is there are a lot of single fathers and single you know parents now who are uh, who want to have this conversation sometimes they don't have a choice and also i think 
in some percentage in a small percentage things are changing but broadly i think some of these things are still very taboo um i'll give you one example so i love to tell girls to use a menstrual cup because it's just so much more convenient it's just so much more hygienic um, yeah. you know it's just so much safer for both the girls and for the planet right um but uh, moms even in the urban areas even the most educated mother is just not comfortable about the idea that you know a menstrual cup is something that her girl should or her daughter should use yeah. and um uh, some of them are vocal enough to say it but sometimes you also almost hear them thinking that uh, it's connected to virginity right so the whole yeah. idea that I've you know my daughter may not also. get virgin yeah it's 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 you know you it's uncanny right the kind of things that you hear sometimes when you go and i mean it just doesn't occur to you but when they say it it's like all oh, right you know i never thought of this before right so yeah. so so it's challenging now especially in the rural areas menstrual cups are a big no no um, so what i've realized is for instance we talk about reusable pads in yeah. the rural areas especially i think that's a lot more acceptable in urban areas re- uh, menstrual pa- reusable menstrual pads are slightly more difficult for uh, women to kind of accept or uh, you know uh, to to even practice because i think in apartments it's harder for them to True. wash and dry you know it's a lot more visible right so some of these um so s- strangely enough right so a, a progressive thing like a menstrual cup is okay in the smaller towns and cities but not okay in larger towns and uh, you know larger cities because just because of sheer space uh, issues right yeah. um, a menstrual cup is pretty much no no everywhere in fact the moms themselves don't know how to use them right so yeah. uh, you know so typically if there's a workshop which is happening between and you know the parents are also present or especially the moms are present they end up coming and asking you that hey this is interesting and how do i use it can you show me how to use it and what size should i use and so on and so forth um uh, uh, girls in the urban areas are leaning towards tampons because they want convenience they want to be able to use a tampon and go swimming and do whatever else they yeah. want so it's very interesting some of these things but largely um conversations are hard to have and um, because of the taboo and schools try to stay neutral and um i think that is the reason why they don't want to um really talk you know bring these things up i like i said earlier uh, most of them do this whole checkbox thing that okay we've done our bit yeah. um i also think there's a lack of informed you know practitioners who really understand the hormone cycles themselves i mean conversations about menstruation are still common yeah. but if you talk about the entire menstrual cycle they are absolutely not there there's a very small percentage of people doing that so how do you think that empowering women through good health and how we can do that and how do we get there it's very simple the meat i think women need to be a lot more self aware i think we need to understand our bodies so much better than we do currently um unfortunately today even if you go to a doctor and say hey i have peated cramps they'll give you a paracetamol and say you know everybody gets it take this and go home it's so common that we have normalized it right yeah. um and that's not right and and like i said earlier you know i'm a problem solver so i always say this that let's not crib about how the world is because that's not going to change that's not in our hands but can we get up and learn and understand and do something about it ourselves yes i think today we have the power of the internet there's so much that we can learn uh, you know and like i said you know i spend 2 hours almost every day trying to figure things out and i think everybody out there can do it so i mm-hmm. think we just have to step up and say that i'm going to just be a lot more self aware 
and uh, it starts from there no absolutely i totally resonate with that you know when we talk about nra solution and where do you see that it's playing in global healthcare market or even in india yeah i love that question <laughs> so um like i said earlier we have two paths to nra the foundation um and foundation is what i live for honestly day in and day out um, we do a lot of workshops we've done over 100 workshops uh, and most of these so i do a lot of corporate workshops okay i'll just uh, say it out loud here because um, this gives me to access to you know so it's a more top down approach yeah. um so i'm i'm reaching out to women who are like me who have worked in, in the corporate setup right and it's just easier to relate to some of those issues and um, so we do glo- global workshops already right so we i've done it for google i've done it for linkedin and so many more right and um, so so that's one thing and i think um, in terms of awareness that we were talking about that women need to have i think that's that work is going on and um, and uh, we intend to continue doing that um from a product perspective uh, like i said earlier i think we're reaching all corners of the country um of course we've started with india uh, but slowly and gradually i'm sure the products will be uh, in other places as well exciting um before we sign off and uh, we have femtech 5 so shall we start it's a fun rapid fire sounds like fun go ahead all right uh which femtech product do you associate yourself with and why i would associate myself with a ovulation app because um, i think uh, you know it makes a woman a lot more aware of what's going on inside her body uh, you can track it and i think um, i think what i'm trying to do with my work at inari is to spread that awareness so i think that's the that's the one that connects best to me yeah okay and if you were a femtech product what would be your tagline oh wow um okay i'd say unapologetically feminine that would be my tagline <laughs> uh inspiring name from femtech world um idatin she's the she's the founder of uh, clue the yeah. app clue you must have heard in fact you know what uh, femtech india founder uh, you should know femtech the word femtech was coined by her i know so you know right yeah, yeah. so she's 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 the one i look up to because i think she, that's the first app that um you know that started talking about uh, yeah. you know the ovulation tracking and all of that i think uh, so yeah she's my absolute favorite yeah no i know so she's my favorite too <laughs> <laughs> a femtech product that you want to create hmm a femtech product that i'd like to create would be um a birth control pill but not a hormonal pill that that we have right now we all know how bad it is um but a pill which would uh, kind of help women you know get that power back in their hands but without affecting their health without affecting hormones right yeah 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 no oh, great amazing do you have any message for our listeners young entrepreneurs who are working in femtech in women's health ah lovely okay so i'll uh, first uh, talk about the messaging i think um one i think it's commendable that uh, you know so many people are working in femtech right i think it's just so much more needed the only message i have is that it's very easy to get carried away um you know in a direction of profit making and i i have i have nothing against it uh, as an organization i understand that we have certain responsibilities to our founders and our, to our investors uh, but um, there are also and i wouldn't like to take names here but there's so many large startups in the femtech world um who are dumping really really bad products in the market and um, you know it comes there's so many reasons why they do it i'm sure but um, without getting into that i think anyone who's in femtech i think we start with the with the purpose of making a difference yeah. and um, 
in the rat race of making money and making our organizations big and getting investments left, right and center, we should not forget what the purpose is because we're talking about women's health, right? And yeah. uh, um, we can't play with that. I think being responsible, being ethical, uh, if that means even shutting the business, if it doesn't work and it, that's also okay, but we can't be messing with that. And I think that's my only message to anyone, men, women, um, you know, young, old, anyone who's in femtech. I think, uh, I think there is a moral responsibility that we have um, towards the world and towards women. And we can't be messing with people's lives and, and health, right? It's, it's, it's a way. And, and I, I would just request that one thing that please, please, please don't lose that focus that when you started, you started with something good at heart, right? Yeah. So don't launch products which have, where you have not done the tests for toxicity, where you have not looked at efficacy, where you have, where you're compromising on raw materials just because you'll make a little bit more profit. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not right. No, yeah, and uh, and um, and Femtech India. I think uh, I think what I love Namit is that I think you are you're very young and uh, um, and um, I think it's commendable that uh, you know you're doing these podcasts and and uh, reaching out to women and uh, giving them a voice because it's not necessarily about just what we're doing. I think it's also the learnings that we have that we you know get to share on this platform. And I think like some of the insights, maybe small insights, but I did share some, right? And yeah. and when there are more and more women sharing, it just it just it just empowers the ecosystem so much more, right? Because if I've learned something, I want to share it with other women who are doing the same thing and and other women who are you know probably listening to this. And I think from that perspective, what you're doing is fantastic. So yeah, more power to you and all the best. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rashmi. It was um, very nice speaking to you. Pleasure. It was an absolute, absolute pleasure being here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you.